Welcome to the St. Paul's Episcopal Church podcast. Here, we will share our thoughts, voices, and prayers. St. Paul's is a progressive community of faith with ancient roots. You can find out more about St. Paul's at their website, stpauls.dioup.org, or find us on Facebook. If you would like to share your words on this podcast, send us a message. May God's peace be with you today and always. In today's podcast, Charlie West shares his thoughts on the readings for this Sunday, the first Sunday in Advent, and he gives us a Thanksgiving prayer. You can read along in Charlie's blog, Words Twice a Week, at wordstwiceaweek.blogspot.com. This Sunday's readings are Psalm 80, verses 1 through 7, and 17 through 19. Isaiah chapter 64, verses 1 through 9. The first book of Corinthians, chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. And Mark chapter 13, verses 24 through 37. Words twice a week, 1126. Words twice a week on Thursday, There's a series of preliminary thoughts on some of the lectionary texts for the next Sunday. They're presented in a bulleted list, and I use this sound to represent each bullet point and the start of a new thought. This probably works best if you've looked over the lessons, or at least have them at hand to scan as we go along. The lessons for this Sunday are Psalm 80, 1-7, and 17-19. Isaiah 64, verses 1 to 9, 1 Corinthians 1, verses 3 to 9, and Mark 13, 24 to 37. Here's a prayer from our family table Thanksgiving. In truth, I don't know where it is or was from before that, some book of worship or prayer, perhaps. Most gracious God, you crown the year with your goodness. We praise you for keeping your promise that seed time and harvest shall not fail. We bless you for the beauty of earth and sky and sea and for the wonderful way they keep providing all we need. Bless all those who work to produce our food, the farmers, laborers, truckers, the stork owners and clerks, and those who prepare our meals. Now some thoughts on some of the lectionary texts. Texts. And it's a bummer, isn't it? We are all set for Christmas, and all we get is Advent. Advent that begins in despair. Advent that is all about waiting. We've had half a year of Holy Spirit power, half a year of our responsibility to be the people of the time of God's peace, 
a half a year of being the change we want to see happen, and still, still, the world is not redeemed. And it's even worse off than it was when the year began. And all we can do is plead with God to come and make a difference. All we have is a yearning that God will come, will intervene, will assert the name and a sovereignty that will override and curb the destructiveness of the nations. Okay, let's get started. Psalm 80, 1 to 7, 17 to 19. And I love it. The CEV says this is to the tune of lilies of the agreement. I'd plant lilies of the agreement in my garden or in my heart. How about this? Sown from Psalm 80, lilies of the agreement planted in my heart. It's a community lament and a prayer for help that presupposes a time of distress. I guess we know about that. The year begins with the basic posture of humans toward God, helplessness and need, but God is absent. Powerful words in verse 5, you gave us tears for food by the bowlful. Interesting that there doesn't seem to be any link between the people's suffering and their sinfulness. The people pray, but even their prayers make God angry. What's going on there, do you suppose? The sense of the psalm is that God is in some way intended or at least permitted the people's suffering. How does that square with our understanding of God? More strong words. Verse 1, shepherd of Israel. One of the clearest images of God as a tender shepherd in all of the Old Testament. And then juxtaposed with, you sit on your throne above the winged creatures. A tender shepherd who is also the ruler of all that is. Is that kind of what people look for in a king or queen or president? And of course the refrain, smile on us and we will be saved. Okay, whose smiles are redeeming and saving in your life? There's a quote from James Newsom in Text for Preaching. There is no room here for a sentimental or romantic assessment of the human situation, even of the church's situation, before God. The community of faith is not different from humankind at large in terms of our need for divine grace. The distinction is rather that the body of Christ, when it is true to its purpose, acknowledges its inadequacy. Now Isaiah 64, 1 to 9, a lot of the same themes as in the psalm. God is all powerful, but God is not doing anything, at least not doing anything for us. Verses 1 to 5 are full of powerful, even violent image. Mountains shake. But in verse 6, we are unfit to worship. Even our good deeds are like filthy rags to be thrown away. Our sins are storm winds blowing us away. In a sense, God cannot do anything because we make it impossible for God to be in our midst. Again, with our understanding of who God is, how does this idea of our sinfulness preventing God's intention or activity work? One writer notes that this is part of a larger unit, Isaiah 63.7 to 64.12, which raises questions like, where are you? 
Where is your salvation? Why do you harden our hearts against you? Do those ring meaningful today? The key comes in verse 8. You are our father, the potter who made us. The love of a parent for a child or of an artist for his or her creation could be the power that would bridge the gap. So Advent is a deep sense of desperation about a situation that is out of control and a bold, confident trust in God, trust that God will indeed do something. We are left waiting, but not knowing for what or when or how. What do you have a sense of desperation about? What would you like God to do about it? 1 Corinthians 1, 3-9, Paul gives thanks and notes that divine grace and peace are now the context for life among the believers. The early believers understood themselves living in an in-between time. Jesus had come and would come again. How do you think about that? Paul notes that God's gifts are given to sustain them in mutual love. Some in Corinth were using them in divisive ways. And that they have all the gifts they need for this in-between time. What gifts do you have? In Mark 13, 24-37, teaching about the future, Mark weaves two different future issues through this passage. First, the return of Christ, and second, the destruction of the temple. So the, some people will still be alive, could refer to the destruction of the temple. Mark says the return is just as sure as the destruction. Are there events in our recent past or near future that would be a sign for you of God's decisive activity and return? God will have the final say in the destiny of creation. Recalls once again the line about God not letting death destroy what God made and loves and perhaps extends it to all creation. How do we fit into that? The key now is watchfulness. First, to discern fake news. And second, because only God knows when, where, what, how. Is Advent waiting kind of like waiting for the end of the pandemic? What has the Master placed you in charge of? That's it.